Hello, once again, welcome to another episode of the Purple and Bold podcast from the Daily News Record. I'm Shane Metlin, sitting here with Noah Fleischman. We're the JMU beat writers at the DNR and talking some more JMU sports this spring. And that means baseball and that means spring football. Like here recently, those have been the, the, big, the big things going on here recently. Um, and Noah's been on top of both of those, spent a lot of time at uh, Bridgeport Stadium and Veterans Memorial Park. Let's start with some baseball. Uh, that was a tough one with yeah. Richmond on Tuesday. But overall, it seems like they are managing to get by without Chase Lauder in the lineup, uh, some other guys stepping up. They you know, took two or three from Northeastern, which at the beginning of the season, you said if you get a series win against Northeastern, you're in good shape. For some reason, Northeastern is not the team that uh, went down to NC State and swept the Wolfpack. But still, you get you get a series win. You kind of you know bounce back from a tough one where you went down to Charleston and you know just lost, got swept. But all of those games were heartbreakers. Yeah, to bounce back and get the series win against Northeastern, where it could have been a situation where maybe you just start to see things kind of fall apart. How much were they excited about that bounce back there, the uh, the Richmond game notwithstanding? Yeah, I mean if you look at that that series against Northeastern, they bounced back from the the sweep at Charleston. I mean, lost them in the week at home against Maryland, which they should have won the game. They were up the whole game, lost it in the top of the ninth inning. Um, but it was a big win for them, kind of, to, to take two of three. Um, I think they wanted to sweep Northeastern just because you can kind of set it up. That last game, starting pitching was great with Ryan Murphy. It was just kind of a late-inning home run that kind of broke the game open for Northeastern. But overall, they've been getting by without Chase. Um, after the Maryland game, I talked about shuffling the lineup. And he moved some guys around, and it's worked. So, I mean, they moved Kyle Novak up to the two spot from the three spot. They flipped him with Travis Reeves Snyder. They threw a freshman DH in, and it's starting to put runs up again. Um, just not what we saw against Richmond on Tuesday, but they, they bounced back. They have another game today, um, this afternoon as we're recording this, um, at George Mason. But overall, I think they're they're happy with that win at Northeast, or the three two wins against Northeastern. Richmond won kind of, kind of stings a little bit after handily beating them uh, last month, and then now kind of playing a George Mason team today who they beat 14 to nothing when, when Mason came here. So we'll see we'll see how that goes. But they, today is a great opportunity for them to bounce back before another in-state opponent with William & Mary coming to town this weekend. Yeah, they, they definitely want to take it. I mean, that game will be going on probably by the time or over by the time people, a lot of people listen to this. They need to take care of business at mm-hmm. George Mason because it's just a team that they – are better than and you know baseball's you know a strange thing where you know if you have a pitcher having a bad day you know anybody can beat anybody and all that but that's that's not a game they want to lose here on the road where they can pick up a road win get some momentum back um after you know playing in the cold weather uh in a midweek game against richmond you know maybe that throws things off a little bit um I mean, there was there was snow in the field that they had to plow before the game, so that tells me. Yeah, it was it was definitely a you know strange day. I mean, I heard some people point out that it, early March when they played in Richmond, it was you know beautiful day, mm-hmm. and then they you know get back here you know in the late April and it's snowing and it's you know just not what you kind of uh, expect. Um, let's talk a little bit about pitching because mm-hmm. you know we've talked about the lineup so much, the changes they've made to the lineup. People getting hurt, you know, big bats coming in and out of the lineup. How are they feeling about where their pitching staff is now as they get down to the, you know, past the final few weeks of the season and, you know, where they had, you know, 
they're using guys in the midweek where you know they give up a lot of runs to a Richmond team on a cold day where you're not expecting necessarily to give up a ton of runs. Are they feeling good about their pitching staff right now? I mean, you look at the weekend rotation last weekend against Northeastern. All of them gave up, I think, combined five hits. They gave up a combined like four runs through three games. So the starting staff for Friday through Sunday, when they're on, they're they're really good. I mean, Friday got Justin Schulter, which you know what you're going to get out of him. He threw it. He threw a gem on Friday night, seven innings, eleven strikeouts. Um, you've got Liam McDonald, who's now turned into the Saturday starter, and then Ryan Murphy, a guy who kind of broke onto the scene. He's a redshirt freshman against Virginia Tech, kind of limiting their bats when they were here earned the Sunday spot, struggled a little bit on Sundays in the past, but this past weekend put everything together, went deep in the game, I think seven innings as well, struck out a handful, only allowed one or two hits. So, I mean, he was pitching lights out. So they're, I think they're, they're top three arms they're, they're happy with. Um, when you look at the midweek games, kind of interesting. Um, they were throwing out a few different younger starting pitchers kind of just to fill that void. And they normally will go to the bullpen kind of early. Yesterday they went after three innings with Todd Mazzocchi, um, a freshman, but... Overall, Mizuki gave up four runs the first two innings, so it was a majority of the damage that Richmond was able to do. Um, but I think that they're happy with, with the starting rotation, especially on the weekend. Then you got the guys coming out of the bullpen. You've got Sean Colkin, who leads, um, leads the CAA in appearances this year, coming out of the bullpen. You've got a couple other guys. CJ Sherwinski is, I think, going to start today, George Mason, but hell, I've already pitched by the time most of you guys listen to this. But overall, I mean, bullpen's got solid arms in it. And the starters are, are there. So when everything clicks, you see what happened like you did over the weekend with Northeastern. It's just sometimes they're missing one or the other piece. And against Richmond, it was kind of a mixture of both. But really, the hitting couldn't do anything yesterday against Richmond. Yeah. Yeah. So we're sitting here. Uh, as we record this, they're 19 and 17. Yep. They'll either be you know 19 and 18 or 20 and 17 by the end of today. Getting into the final few weeks of the regular season, they've got you know a couple more CAA um, series. They've got some non-conference games mixed in there. You know, Maryland, Virginia Tech uh, series at Presbyterian. What is your prognosis now for the rest of the season? Where are they going to finish up overall? Is this going to be a team with a winning record overall? How are they going to finish in the CAA? Um, you know, just you know, what are they in the mix for here now? I mean, they host William Mary this weekend. They should take care of business against the Tribe. Uh, then after that, it kind of gets a little little sketchy at times. you got Virginia Tech, who's a top 10 team in the country now. you got to travel to Blacksburg next Wednesday for. Um, granted, JMU beat them last, the last time they played here in Harrisonburg, but it's always different going to that team's park. You've got Maryland again, who JMU almost beat, another top 25 team. So you've got the opportunities there with those good teams. I think if you look at it, you got Presbyterian, as you said, who is kind of like a nobody really knows what you're going to get in that series. And then UNCW at the end of the year. Um, it's a team that's probably going to finish close to 500. They should finish over 500 um, if everything goes according to plan in their eyes. If they win the day, they, they win over the weekend, and you're, you're back in business. So this will be a, this is a key stretch for them, I guess, to, to turn things around. Obviously, the NCAA tournament hopes are probably, probably not the brightest right now just based on what's happened. But overall, I think that they, they definitely have the opportunity to finish well above 500 if they can just string together a few games of consistent pitching and consistent hitting at the same time. Yeah, and I'm looking at the CAA stats or standings right now, and it's every JMU team that suited up this year wanted to win a CAA regular season championship to kind of go out in that in that way, not being able to play in tournaments. You look at those standings right now; Charleston's on top 
by by a pretty wide margin at ten and two. JMU's middle of the pack at six and six, right in the mix with a whole bunch of teams. But that just makes that series down there in Charleston, where like every game was a heartbreaker. You yeah. get swept. If you take two, two, three, they got yeah. walked on, then you're you're talking to you're talking yeah. to the top of the table. Yeah, right now, yeah. If they, if they could have gotten you know get a game or the two there, there would have been right right there in the mix for that you know CAA championship game. Now they're looking at going to be unless somebody helps them out by beating some Charleston a few times, like they're going to have a hard time catching them, even if they, you know, kind of run through the CAA the rest of the way, which, in looking at the standings, doesn't seem to be anybody at the CAA that's unbeatable. And, you know, you could see JMU maybe, like, finishing strong in conference play, and you just kind of wonder how big, how, how much of a missed opportunity they're going to look at that Charleston series as at the end of the season if they finish, you know, second or third and, you know, maybe could have been a little higher up there. Is that something that you felt like, stuck with them a little bit you know coming back from charleston what was what was the mood kind of like after seeing i think charleston was kind of a weird thing because you lose two games in a row being walked off on if you led in both games you lost your star player to an injury so i mean the whole series down there the weekend was not great the weather was great but that was all about how great that weekend was and so i think they were more focused on getting back on the field and playing and i think that's what they're trying to do and, and string together some wins so i mean they can bounce back this weekend against women mary but overall i think that they were more focused on the fact they got walked off on twice rather than the fact that they just got swept by the top team in the, in the CAA. Because they, they saw right there, you could have taken two or three from them. We were having a whole new, different conversation with where each team sits uh, standings-wise. But overall, I don't think that they look at it as like, wow, there goes our regular season chances. I think they look at it like, you know, you got two games taken away from you they should have won. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if they those two walk-off losses... You flip those around, give two wins to JMU. You're looking at Charleston and JMU tied at the top of the CAA, yeah. both at eight and four, um, with JMU having taken two from on the road from Charleston, and you know that would have been it's it's just so, so close to um, something that would have been pretty impressive for this program as they you know talk so much about the transition to the Sun Belt. It's been a pretty solid year for JMU baseball. It's a bit of a bounce back year. They're not they're not great by any stretch of the imagination but they're pretty solid before moving into what what is looking like a really really good baseball league um so just from that point of view how important is finishing up this season and you know having a little bit of confidence moving into the Sun Belt, where it's going to be a big challenge when you look at programs like georgia southern you know potentially hosting regionals this year and um you know lots of traditional powers in the Sun Belt that have you know conference that's loaded with top 100 top 75 rpi type teams yeah last time i checked caa had one rpi top 100 team it was jmu at like 90 something and and the sunbelt has six or seven of them in the top 100 so obviously it's gonna be a big step up for them um but i think yeah the ending the season on a high note this year would kind of help with that momentum seeing if they can, they've got a lot of redshirt juniors on this team so we'll see how many of them decide to come back and, and take that final year that they've got on the table a bunch of them graduating from jmu maybe they come back maybe they don't their whole basically the whole infield is a redshirt junior, and then you talk about a freshman catcher behind the plate. You got a freshman left fielder, but it's a lot of a lot of guys that could leave. The pieces is, could be a whole different looking team um, in a calendar year. But if they finish strong, you might be able to see a, a couple guys say, you know what, let's stick around and let's 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 make a run at it next year. But you know, I guess that's all things we'll find out over the summertime of what guys want to decide to do. But not going to be an easy baseball <laughs> schedule next year. Yeah, the, you talk about the 
six top 100 current Sunbelt teams, yeah. and then you throw Southern a very, very good ODU and very good Southern Miss programs into the mix there. It's going to be a tremendous baseball conference when, uh, when we get to the Sunbelt next year. Um, moving on a little bit, let's, let's look ahead because got something coming up on Saturday that's a pretty big deal here well, for JMU. Uh, we've got spring <laughs> football game wrapping up uh, what's been, I think, pretty productive spring football for JMU, although, you know, we may end up the spring with as many questions as answers in some ways, especially when um, talk about, you know, somebody like Alonza Burnett making us a, a three-way um, quarterback race. Um, doesn't seem like maybe that's going to be at all decided. It's, it's it, not. He, he said it straight up that it's going to the fall. Yeah. So, But overall, I mean, when you look at it, this quarterback race with Tyson Taylor, Alonzo Burnett, and uh, Billy Atkins, I almost forgot his name. But um, when you look at those three guys, they it, from talking with players throughout the whole spring, it seemed like a three-way competition. Signetti's really only called and talked about alternating Santeo and Atkins. Um, but he finally kind of said, like, yeah, it's a three-way competition. Atkins got first-team reps on Saturday's practice um, before they scrimmaged. It sounded like it went okay, but it probably wasn't his best. He had a really good scrimmage, their first scrimmage around, kind of, pushing him up to that first team because it was literally him on the first team and then every other rep in practice that we were able to watch was second third team of Centeno and Atkins flipping back and forth between the second and third team so we'll see what happens I think it'll be a real big tell on Saturday when we see a guy like Barnett playing in a game like situation that we haven't really seen him in that situation yet this spring and overall I would say right now it's definitely going to the fall. He's already said he's not going to make a decision now. I mean, why would you? You have nothing really to gain by naming a starter after the end of spring except probably losing one or two quarterbacks um, to the transfer portal. So definitely see that. Um, but we'll get a good tell on, on what these guys look like with, with different groups on, on Saturday. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard much from you know JMU fans, but is there a lot of excitement with what they're hearing about Burnett? Like just – the fact that you've got a true freshman quarterback in early for the spring, I mean, this guy could be getting ready for prom now instead of getting ready for the you know, spring game, um, that he's you know able to push these guys. Like It seems to me that's a pretty big deal. Maybe not, It might not be ideal for JMU for him to win the job, but that he's good enough to be in the conversation yeah. and you know perhaps can redshirt and be here for five years potentially. You, know, you never know things with transfer portal and everything, but the fact that you know he's good enough to be in the conversation already seems like that has to be a pretty exciting thing for the fans. Yeah, people seem excited about him. I honestly like if you you ask me right now, does he win the job? No. I mean, he's he needs to put on muscle right now. He needs to put on some weight, um, just based on the fact that if he takes a couple shots from some of these FBS guys, it's it's not going to go well on the field. And I think that's the most important thing is him learning, and he's made a lot of progress throughout the spring, kind of developing as a quarterback. And, and he's been in the office, according to Signetti, you know, in the office like every day, whether it's working on football work, homework for classes, different things, but always being around the team, kind of learning. And really, that's the thing, the biggest reason why they want him here in the spring was just get him in the system, get him to learn the system. And I mean, he could work his way up to that number two spot, but right now, I think it's really a race between Senseo and Atkins for the one and two, and and Barnett probably end up redshirting this year, and then this time next year we have a quarterback competition again probably yeah yeah it, it's um beyond quarterback yeah. what are the things that people are going to be looking for in the spring spring game because this is you know you've been in practice a lot mm-hmm. but this is like the spring game is the first time 
fans are going to be seeing this group of guys, and it's really the first time you're going to see them in like a a game. <laughs> game-like situations, like you know, other than glimpses here and there, yeah. like what they allow you guys to see. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting. The way they kind of have it formatted where a defense will stay on one team, the offense stays on the other, and they're kind of just going to keep doing a series against themselves. Well, offense will wear white, I believe, defense in purple, quarterbacks in black. Uh, but one thing to watch is, you know, the defense is, has, I think, been ahead of the offense. That's probably, we talked about last week, nothing that's a shocker. And I definitely want to watch, you know, the secondary, being a lot of new guys, new faces in that situation, even though there's older transfers in that mix, just seeing how they, they react. And, of course, your eyes will be on the quarterbacks, but at the same time, when the eyes are on the quarterbacks, they're going to be throwing the ball, and, and you want to see how the secondary re- really reacts to that, and we'll see kind of that battle uh, on Saturday between the, the corners and safeties and, and the three quarterbacks. Yeah, because if you look at you know, places like, you know, coming out of spring, Marshall's extremely excited about their quarterback situation. You know, obviously Coastal Carolina, App State, teams that JMU is going to be playing yep. against are very excited about what they have at quarterback. We're talking about the question marks at quarterback for JMU. That secondary and what these transfers can bring, what younger guys can do, that, that's, you know, such a huge question for JMU. Look at that, you know, look at the depth they have at safety. I, I mean, I really like the safety group, but, you know, I was just, you know, kind of imagining a depth chart the other day, and you know, guys who are second, third string at safety, like, are good enough to start for mm-hmm. sure. And you know, maybe don't say quite the same thing about cornerback right now. It'd be interesting to see if maybe we're underselling the quarterbacks a little bit just because we haven't seen them as much. Like, what do you think the secondary are they going to be up for the challenge that's ahead of them in a few months? Because it's, it's going to be week in, week out. They're going to be facing good quarterbacks. I mean, luckily for them, they've got a couple guys that have experience at playing that FBS level. You've got Deion Jones from Boston College, Jerry Sremonique from Arkansas State. So they've got guys that have done it, and kind of that might be the biggest piece in that secondary room, in the safety room primarily, is kind of like these guys have done it. They're no stranger to doing it. They've done it at a high level. So now it's kind of the opportunity of letting everybody else get to that. And I think everyone will be ready to go, to be honest. I think that it's a big move for the – for JMU, but at the same time, you're gonna have to do it one way or another, and we'll see how it goes. But I think the safeties and, and corners definitely be up for the task, especially being an older group. It's not a ton of young guys out there, and we'll see how that goes. Are there any corners that stand out to you as like, okay, this guy is going to kind of step up and be, you know, take over for a Greg Ross or you know somebody who you know put up big numbers last year? You know, I would put Washington McCormick kind of in that in that category of a guy that has the opportunity he's an older guy last year on the team I mean this is probably the, the opportunity for him to shine and and kind of get ready to move on to that next level if he wants to do that and I think that he's kind of the the top corner to, to look at right now um he's kind of been in and out of spring practices a little bit but we'll see I mean that's the other thing when you look at this spring team when we look at it on Saturday they're gonna be missing close to 20 guys that will be starters or key reserves so you're gonna get a picture of the team now but it's gonna look totally different I think kickoff against middle tennessee yeah i'm interested to see what the offense is going to look like just as far as like play calling yeah. opening it up like what he's going to allow these guys to do because you know we talked about how deep they are running back this could be you know if they want to this could be an afternoon where they just hand the ball off they, yeah. you know don't show too much they are in a situation where um you know i think like probably one, one of the benefits like this whole transition is um they're one of the few, I think, FC, FBS teams who probably won't have their spring game streaming mm-hmm. anywhere. So maybe you can open it up a little bit more because you're not just like, you know, inviting. Unless you decide for Dave Riggers. <laughs> yeah. 
And then, you know, unless you, you know, you're not, there, there are coaches who don't show a lot in a spring yeah. game because it's just another piece of film that you're giving teams. And Signetti has been that way. I mean, I feel like, you know, a lot of the complaints about Signetti and play calling during the season last year and in other years, but, you know, especially last year was just like, yeah, they're keeping it very vanilla when they know they're going to beat these, you know, early season FCS teams. And then they really open it up in the playoffs and, you know, later in the season. And obviously, you know, the scores reflected that. Um, so I don't think he's a guy who typically would probably want to put much out there mm-hmm. that he doesn't have to. But the fact that, you know, maybe it's not going to be easy for people to get a look at this JMU spring game uh, unless you're in the stadium. And they've got a lot to they got a lot of question marks, a lot to see from these quarterbacks and, you know, new wide receivers and everything. I wonder if maybe we will see a little bit more than we might typically just in that regard, as far as, you know, opening up things a little bit, being a little bit creative with the play call, having some fun with it and not keeping it extremely vanilla on the offensive side. No, I, I don't know kind of how they'll approach it. I just foresee them kind of, we might see a lot of quarterback running, to be honest. I mean, that's going to, I think going to be a piece of this offense that you'll see a little bit more than you've seen in the past is kind of a designed run with the quarterback considering all three of them can run the ball, and they're all really athletic quarterbacks, especially with Totson Tail, who's done it at the FBS level. And he's built, right? He's 220 pounds, 6'2", 6'3". So he can take a shot, and I think that we're not going to see him take a shot on Saturday, but we'll see him kind of get in the field a little bit and do some design runs, and especially with the deep running back room, which we talked about. It opens the option to go with an option offense if you wanted to. And, I mean, that's some things we could see the playbook get opened up to. Um, but overall, they only have eight healthy receivers right now. Chris Thornton, I mean, surely he's kind of seven, I don't know, seven to eight. Chris Thornton had a little nagging injury uh, on Saturday, held him out of practice, but we'll see if he'll be back out there on, during the spring game. We'll see if he's out there tomorrow. I wasn't there yesterday, um, but we'll see if he's back at practice tomorrow or not. We'll see. I, if he's not practicing tomorrow, I doubt he'll, he'll play in the, in the spring game. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the mobile quarterbacks, the designed runs and everything. Yeah. You know, that, that will be definitely one thing. We can see, and we might get a chance to see if any of these three guys are who, who's a gamer in this. Like you know, you know, we're seeing, we're getting word about them in practice situations. Yeah. Well, we've seen you know video clips of them, you know, dropping back in the end zone, throwing short passes. You know, we see all kinds of those clips and um, everything else. But you wonder. I know they've scrimmaged a little bit, and you haven't got a chance to see much of that and it sounds like there's been mixed results there but you kind of got to wonder if a guy like Santeo with his ability to like make plays you know maybe when things break down and the other two too like if somebody will emerge as a guy who's somebody who shows what they've got more in a game-like situation than practice where you know things are pretty limited pretty controlled they're not necessarily turned loose to just like hey get us down the field but whatever it takes you know yeah i think i think the spring game kind of will help with that and especially even different than the first two scrimmages they've had at practice now there's gonna be fans in the stands granted might in the time they same out they will have you know first game of the year but still more fans than they've all played in front of this whole spring so that may kind of add to that atmosphere of kind of making it more like a game um we heard kind of alonzo did pretty well in that first scrimmage and then we heard todd did pretty well in the second one so we'll see who steps up to the play i mean I imagine all three will get equal-ish reps. I'm definitely Todd and Billy getting equal reps, and Alonzo probably get mixed in a bunch, and, and we'll see. But if I guess, I would say Todd, with the most experience, probably gonna, would be able to shine the most. But you never know. Billy could come out and, and light it up for all we know and go for 100 yards and a couple of series. You never know. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the other aspect of this is 
this is a big big day for JMU fans. Yeah, you know they're going to get out there. Hopefully the weather will be good. Hopefully we'll see you know pretty good crowd uh, people out to tailgate and um, see that. I'm I'm wondering if it'll be more of a more of an atmosphere than previous spring games have been, given the excitement about moving up, given you know the nature of first look at new quarterbacks, mm-hmm. various things. I, I, I'm wondering what to expect from a crowd when they get out there on Saturday. I mean, I imagine they'll pull these crowds 77 degrees on Saturday. Nice day, but better than it was you know today and yesterday um, in Harrisonburg. But I think they'll pull a good crowd, especially with the the, the only opportunity people will be able to see them until they take the field again. And, in September, so I wouldn't expect anything bad. I mean, parking lots open, I think, at 9 or 9.30, and the gates open at 12, kickoff at 1, or not kickoff, but game starts at 1, and, and we'll get going. So I'd expect a, a pretty decent decent sized crowd out there for it. Yeah, and I guess you did mention the one other thing. What will we see? You, you mentioned the format. It's going to be offensive versus defense, basically, not, yeah. you know, uh, you know, not necessarily like, you know, purple and white and, and switching teams and everything. And yeah. Like but will we get to see much from special teams because – that's another big question mark who's kicking field goals who's um you know returning kicks and punts and everything will we see that or are they just gonna you know hand the ball over to the next group i imagine we might see some special teams but i don't imagine we'll see any live returns i mean you don't want to get someone injured but i imagine we'll see if you see a punt go up and then you'll just get fair caught and then they'll start from wherever on the field but i mean there's kicking competition on both sides as you said um Signetti's talked about it, and it, it really, Justin Ritter seems like the guy leading the punting competition, which is kind of interesting, um, with him and Harry O'Kelly in the punting competition, and then Connor Madden and Camden Wise and place kicking, which that one's kind of, seems like an even battle. One guy's consistent, the other one's consistent has a little more distance on it, so we might even see, like, you could, I don't know if he's going to make a, a starting kicker and a, a backup kicker, but we could even see the fact that it's a 40-yard field goal. You send one kicker out. If it's an extra point, you send another one. I mean, they could go with that option. You see that in college sometimes where you have multiple kickers and kind of like a golf bag, right? If you need a 9-iron a, a yeah. or you need a pitching wedge, I mean, whatever you need, you've got the leg for it. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, we might have to start calling those guys a golf bag or something. <laughs> like, give me give me my wedge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Noah, you got anything else to add about the spring game before we wrap it up here? Uh, I think it'll be a good opportunity to see the both sides the team kind of out there together see them hitting a little bit i don't know how much hitting we'll actually see but something more than we've seen all spring and with all of the pads on they'll be in the stadium we'll have some music going fans will be there i think it'll be a good atmosphere yeah all right hey well that'll do it for us again this week i'm shane matlin with noah fleischman you've been listening to the purple and bold podcast from the daily news record thank you <laughs>